you're someone that wants to capture some epic imagery where you're featuring action sports or adventure photography or anything like that, today's episode is going to be just for you. What is up, photographers? Super excited to have you guys back with me again today. In this episode, we are talking with just an overall great person. We're talking to Noah Wetzel. Uh, Noah is a great photographer, great person, really fun guy to talk to. He's got a lot of great information for us. Uh, and I first met Noah Wetzel in 2019. One of my images was selected in the Red Bull Alum photo contest, which is like one of the biggest action sports photo contests in the world. Uh, I don't do a lot of action sports photography, as you guys probably know, but at this time I had some great kayaking images where I was shooting some professional kayakers in the Pacific Northwest. Long story short, my images, my image, I should say, got selected as a finalist. I got to travel over to Europe, over to Italy, and Noah was there as well. His image actually won a category uh, and I met him there. But overall, Noah's a great guy. He's got so much great advice. I'm really excited to talk to him today because I think he's got some really creative images and he just really thinks outside the box, both in terms of his technical camera settings and his compositions and finding the right people to go out and shoot. So I think Noah's got a lot to offer us in today's podcast. Here is my conversation with Noah Wetzel. Well, today I'm really stoked to welcome Noah Wetzel to the podcast. Noah, I want to thank you so much for being here. Will you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, about your work, just for any of our listeners that may not already be aware? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, really, really stoked to be featured. It's an honor. So, yeah, my um, I'm based in, in Utah, Colorado, and I primarily shoot action sports and landscape imagery. Definitely shoot commercial shoots as well for a lot of outdoor brands primarily. Um, but yeah, definitely moving forward, selling, selling more art. And that's, it's cool to be in a position to come up with conceptualized ideas, whether it's a new landscape imagery pursuit or whether it's a, a complex action sports image and, and, put in the time and money and, and effort that goes into creating and capturing some of those images, but definitely, definitely, uh, you know, well-versed in a lot of different fields. And I actually do enjoy shooting a lot of different genres of, of photography I mean, life lifestyle imagery and, and, uh, the, you know, commercial shoots and stuff too. There's, there's, uh, I definitely get a lot of, satisfaction and fulfillment out of creating imagery for for brands as well yeah absolutely you're just looking at your work you're i can tell you're certainly very very well-rounded um and i think I, i'm obviously i have you on here today i'm a huge fan of your photography i was super excited to talk to you today 
about creating compelling action sports and adventure imagery, which is something that you just do so, so very well on your website. When I was looking earlier today, uh, there's a ton of great photos where you've got skiing, mountain biking, fishing, backpacking, hiking, rafting. I mean, and probably a lot more things that I, I missed. But uh, one thing that I think that makes you stand out from everybody else, there's obviously a lot of people doing similar stuff. But one thing that makes you stand out, I think, is that you have a, a really great eye and a great ability to combine a person or an activity they're doing or a sport or whatever with the grand landscape to enrich the photo. Can you speak at all to the balance between capturing like a true landscape image and then capturing a true image of a person or athlete and being able to like cross over and mix these together in order to create an amazing photo? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, where do I start? <laughs> yeah, sorry, that that's a lot. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, that's, that's a great question. I, I mean, like the, the same rules apply. I mean, I think first and foremost, like, as, as you know, it's like when you're composing an image, the same things are running through your head from foreground to middle ground to background, um, shooting low, shooting high, trying to, you know, trying to capture a, a unique perspective, whether it be shooting through, you know, certain features that are in the area, rocks or tree branches. And like I said, yeah, shooting low or shooting, like getting on the ground and, and, you know, basically just trying to draw the viewer's eye into the image or hide certain aspects of the image. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of the same things that go into composing a, an action sports image and an adventure image, a lifestyle image, landscape image. Uh, it's kind of like the same sort of process of working through what you have. And, you know, with, with that said too, I mean, there's, there's definitely a difference between, you know, it really depends if you're, if you're, if you know the area that you're going to and you're going back for a specific idea, or if it's like running gun, maybe you're just out with a friend and you're on a hike and you're just capturing it as it comes and you don't have the ability to say, Hey, let's come back when the light is, is great. Um, yeah, definitely think there's, yeah, something to be said there. And that there's gotta be, Obviously, there's a big it's a lot more difficult than just going out and capturing that grand landscape where nothing's moving and you're going to wait for the light and find your composition, because not only are you going to do all that, but you, especially if you're capturing like an athlete, you have to think not only how can I capture this grand landscape, but also how can I glorify and make what this person is doing also look equally as good. So that like provides its own challenge, would, would you say? Yeah. And and. To your point there, I mean, when you're shooting with like when you're shooting landscape imagery, yes, you have like oftentimes you know the location that you're going, you're checking the weather, you're checking cloud cover percentages to to hopefully get you know a, a beautiful sky full of color and clouds. Um, so there's there's definitely that aspect of. Uh, yeah, just, just being able to control the scenario a lot more than, 
then an adventure scenario, then a commercial shooting scenario, then um, an action sports scenario where like, even if you know the area that you're going and you might have a few shots in mind, like it, it, it is going to be run and gun more or less and working with the snow conditions, working with the light conditions, working with the ability of your athlete, uh, you know, whatever it might be from fly fishing to, to mountain biking or skiing. And there, and there's definitely drastic differences between, you know, shooting mountain biking, for example, and skiing where like mountain biking, you can have a person. I mean, I find mountain biking, like really easy to shoot and it's, it's, uh, or easier to shoot. And none of this stuff to like get a really great photo. You cannot, you really can't predict it and say like tonight, I'm going to go out and get a portfolio shot. As you know, but like the difference between like skiing, for example, if you're shooting skiing, you know, you're generally trying to capture it unless it's a, a cliff or an air, you're generally trying to capture it with an untouched blank canvas, you know? So you have one shot to pick your, to pick hopefully the best location, the best angle. And then working with that athlete, you have, you know, that same one attempt to communicate effectively and precisely where they need to be, what they're doing, whether they're turning, whether they're, you know, airing that sort of thing versus mountain biking where, you know, there, you can just have them hike it again. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. Absolutely. I didn't like that. Or like, Hey, can you, can you tip the bike over? Can you angulate the bike just a little bit more when you come through that, that turn and, and then, you know, they, they come through the turn and then you're like, all right, now I'm going to, you know, climb up in this tree and shoot top down. on, on you. And you can, you can work with it like in a different way than you can like skiing, for example. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that just like really fascinates me about that kind of like action sports combined with landscape photography is that not only do you have all of this that we're talking about that you need to think about, but you also have to be able to keep up with that athlete and to get to, into the spot. Like not, not just anybody that's good at photography can do this because if you want to shoot somebody skiing, a lot of times you got to be right behind them on your skis to get up to the spot. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, same, same sort of thing where like skiing, you know, I definitely think ski photography is one of the, one of the hardest things out there. And you know, and it obviously depends on who you're shooting, what what you're shooting, but it definitely takes, yeah, a, a lot of uh, skill and and strength to kind of to be out there and keep up with these guys because it's like, you know, guys and girls, you're you're definitely like not trying to hold anyone back, and like it's as a photographer, uh-huh. like I know, I'm sure you've experienced this. But like when you're shooting, whether you're on a commercial shoot, whether you're shooting with your friends on just on a, on a fun backpacking trip, whether you're shooting with a, a pro athlete, it's like you're you're always like you're always teetering right on that slowest member of the group. Yeah, so you never want to be the, the slow guy. <laughs> yeah, so you're just so you're basically just trying to like limit like you're trying to be like precise and decisive on like when you stop people 
you know, per, you know, say you're hiking with a friend and you don't, you don't want, you know, shooting, you don't want to like interrupt the, the experience. If you're shooting, like if you're shooting skiing, for example, like it's, you're definitely like really not skiing. You're out there shooting, you're out there working just because it takes so much communication. Same with biking, but like if you're shooting adventure hiking stuff, um, if you're shooting backpacking, a lot of that sort of stuff just comes as the day evolves and you might not necessarily have the ability to control the lighting scenario, um, to come back to this spot that's five miles from camp at sunset. So as you pass it on your way to that night's camp, you know, you're just kind of working with, with, yeah, what you have. Yeah, that makes sense. And one of the things that I noticed on your website is in your bio, you've written, uh, and I, this is a quote, uh, that you're attracted to the pursuit of art, the cultivation of an idea and the in-depth process to make it come to life. You believe that art lies within the craftsmanship itself more than the final piece. Can you unpack that for us a little bit and talk kind of about what that means to you and how that helps shape your image creation? Yeah, um, I really, yeah, I and mean, I'm stoked that you brought that up because it's it's definitely something that like I wanted to touch base on, right? Like there's there's always this this conversation of uh, reoccurring conversation, I think, within the art industries or within the you know within the quote unquote arts of you know what is art and who are artists, right? And I think oftentimes photographers get pinned as uh just photographers like they're not artists and you know it's it's just an interesting concept because you know with that statement it's basically just referencing that like i believe art lies in the craftsmanship more than the final product because you know when you when you see when you see uh, when you see unbelievable woodworking, or it could be uh, it could be a custom, you know, hot rod build, metalwork, whatever it might be. Like when you look at something, you can immediately tell if there's a ton of experience behind that, you know. And I definitely think that you know it's it still comes down to like well art is is uh perceptive you know it's it's uh or an art is subjective and you know one person standing looking at an image might say well that's not art and you know but also it's like but then for a painter just like grab some paint and throw it at the wall and and be like yeah, that's art <laughs> you know but yeah. putting in but putting in three weeks of work or thinking about an image for two years, driving halfway across the country, putting in 80 to a hundred plus hours into the capture of one specific photo. Uh, that's not art, you know, like, I think that's like selling, selling, you know, that, that photograph short. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I, mean, I guess, I guess basically to, to reference that as well, like as far as like my pursuits, I mean, typically I just like to pursue, I mean, really complex stuff. I mean, like I said, I definitely like shooting. I definitely find value and get fulfillment out of shooting, you know, many different activities and lifestyle imagery and this, that, and the other. But 
the, the stuff I'm most passionate about creating about putting my time into is, is very like complex imagery that, that, um, involves kind of layers of complexity that you have to figure out one section in order to get to the next, in order to get to the next, in order to finally get to the day, the evening, the hour that you have an attempt at it. And it might only be one attempt, you know? So it's Uh like pretty, pretty wild, but. So one thing that I am curious about is what advice do you have or how can someone get started into this like kind of action sports or adventure photography? Um, because you, you obviously have to know somebody that does these activities, but is there like a good way that you could give advice to someone to get your foot in the door with the right people? Or, I mean, if there's someone out there that's listening, that's they're 18 or doesn't really matter what age they are, but there's someone who wants to start doing what you're doing. Is there, do you have any recommendations or advice for someone like that? Well, Offhand, I, I think one of the biggest thing that's that's uh, been been advantageous to to my career is the locations in which I live and the the people that I surround myself with. You know, I I re- realistically like I I got into photography because of skiing and because of my love for the outdoors. You know, so it was it was literally I was already participating as a skier and then, you know, as a, in hiking and, and then, you know, through, through skiing, I was led to basically many other activities that now I, by, you know, are, are hobbies of mine. So I, I definitely think like, you know, it's, it's different. Like if you're, for example, if you're living in New York city, if you're living in Kansas, you know, Kansas versus California, Kansas versus Colorado, it, it's going to be a lot different. Your the possibilities of what you can't shoot and that, that might. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that might like push you into shooting, you know, road cycling and ultra running, or if you're shooting in Kansas or something like that and, and being really profound in that, that field. So like it definitely like one, location but um yeah other other tips to get into it i mean you just i think i really just think you you have to love you have to love what you're doing and absolutely you have to love where you're at and a, a big thing for for me as well is like you know i i've surrounded myself with you know, my, a lot of these images, they're, they're my friends <laughs> that, uh, are in the, yeah. that are in the images, which is like really, 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 you know, fortunate for me to have that opportunity because I have a lot of talented, really unbelievably talented friends that are, you know, maybe not quite on that level of the, the top pro athlete, but I mean, I, I'd almost rather work with my friend any, any time over, over, you know, uh, a really talented professional athlete that I, I barely know because, you know, a lot of it's about the experience of going out and, uh-huh. and having trust in 
you know, like the, the athlete trusting the photographer, the photographer trusting the athlete and the, and the communication between each other to, you know, to basically uh, not, you know, to make sure that something that mistakes don't happen. Yeah. Nobody ends up in the hospital, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I would, I'll even add to that. Um, obviously the, being in the right location, that's huge. Uh, you also mentioned, um, surrounding yourself with the right people, the right friends. That's huge. I'm going to even say number three, which comes from, um, just my own personal work for anyone that's been following my work for a while. Uh, I, when I first started photography, I was living up in the Pacific Northwest, just outside the Columbia river gorge. And I was into landscape photography and I was starting to grow a little following on social media. And I wanted to shoot some whitewater kayaking at this really cool waterfall up there. And, uh, it was, it's not a, a waterfall that anyone that any high schooler in their inner tube is going to go off. I mean, it, this is a, you got to be a professional <laughs> kayaker to go off of it. And so I'm going to say that the, th the third tip here for anyone that is trying to do this is to shoot your shot. So what I did, uh, I went on Instagram and I looked at some of the best whitewater kayakers in the world. A lot of them live right up here, right in the Columbia River Gorge in white salmon. Yeah. I sent a message to, I would say probably 15 or so professional kayakers. Uh, only one of them got back to me. It was Rush Sturges, great kayaker, great guy. Um, but long story short, I went out, I shot photos of him at this waterfall photos turned out awesome. And, um, he posted the photos on his feed after they got posted on his feed. A lot of other kayakers that are following him saw the photos and I was then getting messages from people. Hey, you want to come take photos of us? And so just by shooting my shot and messaging him that opened up a whole door of opportunities. I worked with rush and then I had all these other kayakers that now were interested in having me shoot photos for them. And this wasn't paid. This was just something that I wanted to do, but I I mean, I've worked with Dane Jackson, Rafa Ortiz, Brent Orton, some of the best kayakers in the world. And it's all because it's all because I shot my shot at the very beginning. So if you are someone that is trying to do this, don't be afraid to find those people in your area that are doing the cool stuff and say, hey, I'm a photographer. I would love to just come out, tag along and get some photos of you and, and you can build your portfolio that way. And once you have those photos and you've you've got some kind of under the belt, you're, it's going to be so much easier to find more people. So don't be afraid to shoot yeah. your shot. Uh, you have some bargaining power. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and, and with that said, like too, another thing that comes to mind for me is that like, you know, as my career has progressed, I've started to work for different brands and sometimes brands can, can bring you in contact with, with new athletes, with new, absolutely. Uh, you know, with new activities. And I mean, just recently I had uh, a shoot with Solomon skiing and, and met some new, you know, some great new local skiers and, and up and coming junior talent. And yeah, just, it, it, it's really cool to now have a, a few more athletes, both local and up in Whistler and, you know, this place and that place. But uh, yeah, just have a, a few more contacts. I want to take a break from today's episode and talk about a really cool opportunity if you are a beginner or intermediate photographer that is really serious about taking better photos and getting better at photography. Now, usually about four to six times a year, I teach in-person workshops around the Western United States centered around helping you become a better photographer. 
Now, my workshops are kept to just five people, which means that you will get plenty of one-on-one attention. So regardless of your skill level, whether you just picked up your first camera or whether you've been shooting for 15 years, I promise you, you're going to get so much out of it. I'm going to cater the class directly to you. Best of all, after the workshop, I'm going to add you to my alumni group on Facebook where you can get literally weekly image feedback. We can connect at all times. Uh, When the workshop is over, it's not done. I'm still going to be your mentor. I'm going to be there to help you and become better at photography. Now, like I said, if you're serious about becoming better at photography, don't wait any longer. Register for one of my workshops this year. You can visit austinjamesjackson.com slash workshops. That link will be down below in the podcast description that you can click on as well. I really can't wait to see you guys out there. One one thing that I did want to talk about, just looking through your portfolio and just knowing your work, it's clear that you are very good at capturing emotion in your photos. You can capture photos that make your viewers feel a certain way. Um, and there, there's a lot of photos where there might be a sense of curiosity or adventure. Other photos, maybe there's struggle, like someone carrying a bike or climbing a mountain or um, hiking at night or whatever it may be. Uh, will you talk a little bit about how you're able to not only have those emotion in your photos, but like, do you plan that shot in order to have the emotion or is that just something that you get lucky and it comes as it goes or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. I, I think that it, it's a mix, you know, sometimes the, uh, sometimes the shots are like hundred percent, you know, planned positioning and a lot of other times, and I'm, I'm looking at this image right now on my website and it's of like two people hiking underneath the full moon. And we were, we were on a shoot for big Agnes at the time, this outdoor brand and one of, one of my clients and yeah, we had finished shooting for the night and the moon ended up rising and there was like fog of, you know, quote unquote smoke on the water you know there's fog on the water there's a reflection off the moon or the reflection of the moon off the water and it just kind of begged for two people to get close to the other side of of the water and you know to be to make it more or less look like they were walking hiking through that scene on a on a night hike um so that's something where you're just like, you see that in the moment and you say, I'm going to do it. Like, that's not something that you've planned out, right? Yeah, exactly. And r- remind me, remind me of the initial uh, question again. Uh, I was just wondering if you'd talk a little bit about like emotion in your photos and and if you, if there's a lot of planning that goes into that, or if that's something that you kind of just catch candid or in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that like, you know, my style is more geared towards like surreal, creating like surreal imagery. And, you know, and I guess a one, uh, uh, another side of that would be like abstract sort of surreal imagery. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of like, I mean, that's why I sh- like shoot a lot of twilight stuff and a lot of night stuff because, you know, personally, like, for example, like, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're a photographer, you will find yourself hiking in, hiking out, like in the dark, like whether you're shooting landscape imagery or action sports stuff, it just happens. And within those pursuits, you find yourself in these scenarios that, 
that I don't know. I feel like a lot of people don't experience uh-huh. and yeah, oftentimes like ideas, you know, ideas definitely like come to me most when I'm in the field, like almost entirely, to be honest, like I'll be moving through an environment whether daytime, whether nighttime, and I'll see certain features, rocks, um, you know, yeah, geologic features, whatever they might be. And, and uh, yeah, the, the ideas kind of instantly jump out at you of like, man, this needs to be shot at night. I can put a flash over here or the, you know, the person standing um, to be wearing a headlamp. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I don't know if that means. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I, to kind of piggyback off of, of that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the technical aspects of shooting in the field. One thing that you see a lot of photographers doing is using their aperture in order to make creative effects. So adding depth of field or whatever yeah. it may be. One thing, however, that I noticed that you do that not a lot of photographers do. Of course, there's some, but not a lot. But that is playing with the shutter speed. So some of my favorite shots of yours, uh, you've got some great stuff, mountain biking in BC, where you've used a really slow shutter to emulate movement in the scene. Whereas then on other shots, you may have used like a lightning fast shutter in order to freeze the motion. What does this whole process look like of picking the right camera settings when you're shooting an athlete? And like, how are you deciding when to use that slow shutter and show movement versus when to speed it up and not show that movement yeah that's a great question and something i wanted to touch base on too and actually kind of circle back to like the first question i believe like regarding like composing you Uh know adventure images action sports images and how to like place your subjects and stuff like that um you know there's there's definitely there's definitely uh a lot of sort of tricks around yeah positioning your subject and you know for example like the the whole slow shutter speed like if if the light is unbelievable and the subject where you want them in the frame like the subject whether it's a person standing on a rock or whether it's a mountain biker ripping through um is really visible you might not want to shoot a slow shutter speed and shoot that motion blur effect. Um, but oftentimes, uh, you know, there in, in certain scenarios, it could be like midday light where it's like really, really harsh, or there could be a lot of branches in a certain aspect of a turn or, you know, in the primary spot that you want the athlete to be where, shooting a motion blur can be advantageous because it'll it'll uh separate the subject if you time the motion blur um but yeah it'll it'll separate the the subject from from the uh distracting background yeah absolutely and for for people out there listening if you want to become a better photographer if you are thinking about shutter speed creatively you've already surpassed three out of every four photographers in terms of creativity, because that's just something that a lot of people aren't thinking about. Maybe they're using aperture priority and they're just shooting 
as is, but there's actually so, so much creativity that just playing with the shutter speed and the aperture as well, but playing with both of those, you can get so many different effects on your photos. And it's actually crazy to think about a lot of people that aren't photographers wouldn't realize this, but how many different variations of a single photo you could have just by changing the shutter speed. So something to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And like to, to add to that too, you know, for, for up and coming photographers, I mean, you, you know, changing your, changing your, your aperture to like F 2.8 versus like F 16, you know, obviously there's, there's, you know, you might be handcuffed in certain scenarios with uh, low light, for example, if you're trying to shoot F 16, like, well, you're going to have to, you know, more or less put your camera on a tripod, but uh-huh. you know, for example, like shooting at F 16, you can star out the sun and you know but perhaps uh perhaps you're getting weird lens flares and you know shooting 2.8 might completely take care of that you know yeah absolutely and i, and I think that this is a good nice bridge over to kind of my, the next phase here which i wanted to talk a little bit about editing um if that's okay with you yeah so what what are you using to edit your photos what does the process look like well i mean typically you're trying to capture stuff that you really don't have to touch that much. Yeah, absolutely. But but sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes you, you know, sometimes there's just certain scenarios that, um, I mean, cameras, cameras are really powerful tools, but also like in certain scenarios, they, you know, there's, you just can't really work around, uh, you know, certain variables. So, I mean, typically, typically I'll try to, you know, basically just like lightly color correct and, um, you know, from saturation to toning and down. Are you using uh, Lightroom? Uh, yep. Using okay. Adobe Lightroom. And, you know, that definitely, you know, for me, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't see using another program hundred percent Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> from, an organization, from an organizational standpoint and keywording and, and the smart folders and everything like that. It definitely like, yeah, it takes, takes some stress, you know, out of my life from just a yeah. clutter. clutter and, and you're using Photoshop for like, if you're doing any blends or anything like that, I assume. Yeah. So, uh, basically, you know, the, really the only thing I use Photoshop for is like, uh, piecing together like panoramic images. Um, uh-huh. I actually like never really like, I think I, I, I might, I think I've done like one, like, I don't know, like, yeah, a, a very small amount of like, uh, you know, um, composites. Uh-huh. I actually think I've only done there's really only one composite like offhand that I can think of, which is a shot of, uh, the grand Canyon was shot from the grand Canyon. And it was like, uh, it was, it was captured during new moons. There wasn't like any light in the Canyon whatsoever. And I wanted to get like an hour and I think it's like an hour and 20 minute exposure of star trails. But I knew that like, like there's going to be, these are massive Canyon walls and the most narrow aspect of the Canyon, but like, there's going to be no detail. So you're not going to have any, any scale. So being able to do that, but that's actually one of the areas too, that like, 
I could pick your brain because <laughs> one of the areas that I would like to explore a, a bit more. Cause like I said, like certain, certain, certain things there, you're just, you know, certain variables you can't work beyond and a composite is, is the only possibility to showcase what you envision or to showcase what a scene looks like to your natural eye. Once it, once it, uh, adapts to to the night you know yeah like i'm looking on your website right now at the at the mural commission you did for steamboat orthopedics of the skier you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah like yeah, it, so that would be that would be another yeah that would be a great example that's something that like you're doing that blend in photoshop yeah so that one was created uh via uh two image composite and just a very complex image, you know, yeah. uh, behind, behind that one and with a subject moving literally 60 miles per hour, 40 to 60 miles per hour, like past you from sinking flashes. I'm having the flashes be powerful enough to freeze the action. I mean, it'd be one thing if you were, shooting the subject coming straight on, but shooting them, you know, directly profile. Yeah. Of them packing by you at 40, 50, 60 miles per hour. I mean, the, there was, there was a, a complex shot to kind of work through and figure out, you know, just like, like, I don't, because when they approached me, they initially, it's a, you know, Steamboat Springs orthopedic, uh, center, but uh-huh. when they initially approached me, that client, they were, they wanted the mural, mural. They, they knew my style. They, they have a collaboration with, um, with, uh, oh, what is it? The Steamboat, uh, Springs. Yeah, I'll clean that one up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the client reaches out. And they already knew my style. They had a specific sort of idea in mind. And then they, they approached me about capturing it to, to create this mural. And it was, it was uh, certainly a scenario where, where I had to do a lot of research and scouting and kind of conceptualizing just to figure out like if it was possible and, you know, shooting it you know, putting it together via composite was absolutely like the only way you could have oh, done yeah, for it sure. Even, at that size at least. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was, I really like that photo. Um, is there, if, if the answer is no, that's totally fine, but is there any plugins or external apps outside of your normal, like Lightroom Photoshop that you really like or that you find useful? Uh, yeah, I started using, uh, LRT. So I started using LRT time lapse. And are you familiar with that? Yeah, by uh, I, I can't remember. I know a guy named yeah. Gunther makes it. He's yeah, German. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I found that a, a couple years ago, and that solved like piecing together like time lapses when when I do that. And I found it like I just just really really like easy to use, and the fact that like it worked directly through Lightroom, just like helping maintain my organization and, and stuff like that. So like the LRT time lapse is one. And then like on one, 
photo raw is another one that I've used for like certain, certain images that are, that are shot in low light and, and I just need to clean up the noise or maybe I'm trying to, to sharpen an image beyond the capabilities of what I can do in Lightroom on top of reducing uh, the tremendous amount of noise. Um, and oftentimes to be honest, like I, I've, I've really only done that for, I haven't done that for that many images because most, most cameras, like they shoot such high resolution that like if your focus is on and you're not shooting at a high, like a mega high ISO, you're, you're finding that print absolutely massive. But sometimes if you yeah. are printing absolutely massive, like perhaps you want a little bit more detail or perhaps there's a little bit more noise or perhaps there's a lot of noise because it's a night shot and, and somebody's into it. And, um, you know, there wasn't a, a workaround in that scenario to, to capture it and you're able to, to do that by cleaning it up. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that burdens a lot of photographers out there, especially new photographers, is the 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 feeling of needing to over edit their photos in order to create something that's really amazing. When in reality, especially like it's it is possible to do this, yes, but especially when you're new or intermediate, a lot of times it just looks over edited. I think your work stands out because you've got a clear style that is edited, very realistic looking. Um, do you have any advice for people out there that are trying to find the right balance between too much and too little editing? Um. You know, I mean, I guess basically how I edit is, you know, I try to make it look like how it appeared to my natural eye. Like if it goes beyond that, like if it goes beyond what it looked like to my eye, to me, it's that I've simply gone beyond that point. Um, You know, touching base on like the edit settings and, in Lightroom and stuff like typically I'm just, you know, it's basic color correction stuff where I'm dragging down it's highlights, shadows, brightness, you know, saturation, sharpness, and then, you know, removing, removing any sensor dust and, and, and hopefully like really not any cropping. Like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the like ski magazines, are, are known for being like very particular or the editors of ski magazines are like known and also like other, you know, I think sports such as like mountain biking are very specific about like, you know, as true to the raw photo as possible and, you know, not drastic crops, uh-huh. but you know, sometimes too, there's uh you know, if I'm out in the field shooting, I'm typically, I'm typically underexposing my images or that's, that's like where I'm, that's where I'm kind of, that's where my room for error is leaning towards so that, uh, I can brighten up the image and get to, you know, get all these, uh, the highlights and the shadows to look natural. Right. And, and not, uh, and not over edited. And, you know, with that said, there's, you know, there's the, the, the camera is an amazing tool, but it's, it's, there's still a, unless the, unless the lighting is like perfect, you know, there's, there's just certain scenarios where you just like, you can't, at least in action sports where I'm like, you're, you're shooting landscape imagery. 
you can wait till the right time. You can throw a filter on top of it, to a graduated neutral density filter to, to darken the sky. But if you're shooting action sports, or you're shooting like a commercial shooting that's run and gun. Um, you know, you're kind of shooting for the middle of the road settings, you know, so you can uh-huh. bring up those shadows just enough to where it doesn't look overdone and bring down those highlights just enough to where um, it doesn't look overdone. Yeah. And certainly if you're new, definitely find your style, but you do, you did bring up a very good point, which I've found with a lot of the magazines, which is they're going to ask you maybe for a raw file. And if your photo is incredibly different than that raw file, they're not going to be able to accept it. So if you're hoping to make some money, uh, nothing worse than editing your photo, sending it in them saying they want to use it, but wanting to do a raw file check. And then they look at your raw file and say, we can't buy that. That sucks. So those realistic (laughs) edits. And you also had mentioned a little bit earlier uh, about always trying to get the shot in the field as well as, as good as possible so that you don't have to do as much editing, which that's another great way to help you to not over edit. If you don't have to do a lot of editing, it's going to make it easier to not over edit. So just a couple, couple great points for people out there that are trying to create that realistic look, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last thing. Yeah. I, go ahead, go ahead. I guess, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, you know, circling back to like that first question too, like when, when shooting adventure stuff, um, you know, primarily, primarily like adventure sort of imagery, right? Like the person standing in a, in a beautiful spot, like we're running, they're going to be typically on a trail biking. They're going to be on a trail skiing. They're going to be on a slope. Um, but shooting like adventure imagery and like composing images, like there's definitely like a few tips for that that I think are really helpful. And, you know, I'm, I'm always like really cognizant of like making the subject stand out and what's behind them what's in the image what's what if looking through the viewfinder what is in the image that is like distracting to you and is there a way to work around that to eliminate that distraction whether it might be a a tip of a tree branch that's coming down on the in the top corner of the image and then you know just kind of you know, posing your subject in a, in a natural way and not having them be, you know, complete power stance, really aggressively standing and having it look natural and not contrived. And, and, uh, yeah, what else? I mean, yeah, pay, pay attention to everything in your frame. The best photographers, every single thing that is in their image is there intentionally. So one thing I always tell my clients at my workshops is watch the edge of your frame. You don't want anything distracting on the edge and you don't want anything important to be cut out on the edge. You want to give everything a little breathing room. So that's huge is pay attention to the edge. Like you said, tree branches and then putting your subject in the right place. There's a lot of photos that I can see on your website where it's obvious that you've intentionally put your photo against a background that contrasts really well in order to bring uh, the focus to the subject, whether it be they're in a sunny spot or uh, there's blue sky behind them so that they contrast well. But keeping that contrast between your subject and the background and we're talking natural contrast here, not just the contrast slider talking natural contrast is going to help you to help you to make that subject look even better. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, with, on on that same note, like you know, one of the best one of the best quotes that I've heard that kind of puts everything into into perspective is like at least regarding landscape imagery, but I think it correlates to all aspects of photography. It's like landscape imagery isn't about what to put in the frame. It's about what to leave out. Yeah, yeah that's like great. over the more the more that I've like shot landscape imagery and gone out to shoot landscape imagery, like you can see literally like you put in the time and you can see your eye improving. Like you go out in the scenes and like, like, man, that tree looks really, really cool. If I like zoom in at 200 millimeters and have this as the backdrop and I leave out the sky, oftentimes I feel like, you know, up and coming photographers, beginner photographers are shooting too wide. They're, they're including too much sky, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of another uh-huh. I, you know, another tip, but you know, also when it comes down to like positioning subjects too, it's, it's, uh, oftentimes I'm positioning the subject in the left third or the right third of the frame. So the same sort of like photographic principles and say that like, we're looking at a frame and there's a hiker, a lone hiker, and he's standing on a, on a perch in the left third of the frame. Uh, you know, you always want your subject to be looking into the frame. And when I, when I say into the frame, I mean like into the greater portion of, of the frame, you know? So if if the hiker is in the left third, you're going to instruct him to, to be looking right. Yeah. And, and typically too, like standing profile so that like, you can see, and when I say profile, like it's like sideways, right? So you can see the silhouette, uh, whether he's backlit and that's actually a silhouette, um, or just like they're the, the, the profile of a hiker. You can see his backpack. You can see the person's face, their hat, their knees, you know, how they're standing, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, making sure that buckle straps are strapped up and yeah yeah and, and that's all, great all the details so so last question that i like to ask here on the podcast i ask the same question to everybody is that if there was one piece of advice that you'd have for a photographer that's trying to get better at landscape or nature or adventure or whatever kind of photography what is your piece of advice doesn't have to be related to anything we've talked about in today's episode and i guess that's pretty simple I think it's just spending more time doing it. I, I think, you know, it, it literally circles back to craftsmanship and you cannot fake craftsmanship. You, you, you put the time in and your work will show like, yes, like we've all had images early on in our shooting, you know, quote unquote career. And, you know, you might not even be a, professional i mean there's there's some images that like how i was really barely shooting and there's still a couple images that are in my portfolio from like early on when i started shooting and you know is it getting lucky well, maybe there's a little bit of of that in there but um you know I, th- I think the biggest thing is just get out get out often try to try to shoot new 
perspectives, angles. I, I, I wouldn't get hung up too much on, on the specifics, you know, me personally, I, I wouldn't get too hung up on the specifics of, of your equipment. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously you can pursue, you know, pursue the best light, pursue sunrise, pursue sunset. If you can shoot at a high elevation, you know, that's, that's going to be advantageous, uh, to you if you get up anywhere up at a high elevation if you get up to twelve thousand feet in the mountains at sunset i can tell you one thing your photos are gonna look sick (laughs) (laughs) Um, and i I guess like there's kind of a number of tips there but like another would be like backlighting you know backlighting for me is definitely like a a signature style and if you're shooting manual if you're controlling your settings you know, shooting backlight, backlighting your subject, you know, is, is literally one of the best ways to, to make your subject stand out and really to kind of illuminate the scene, illuminate the frame with, with that light that, uh, you know, how it kind of, you know, looks to your natural eye. Yeah. So much great advice there. Listen to that again. If, uh, if you're not driving, hit the hit the rewind and listen to that whole thing again, because a lot of good stuff there. Um, no, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Where where can we see more of your work? Where can we learn from you? Where can we buy your art? What do you got for us? Uh, first off, man, thanks for yeah, thanks for having me. It's been just it's it's an honor to to be showcased and yeah to talk with you. So yeah, so there's. Two places that you can find my work. One is noahdavidwetzel.com that has all my commercial portfolios, adventure portfolios, landscape portfolios, the clients I work with, et cetera, et cetera. And then recently I launched a new website, www.wetzelgallery.com. And that showcases only the imagery that's meant to be printed large and showcase on, you know, more or less on, on people's walls. So, you know, from action sports imagery that has that timeless look where 10, 20 years down the road, you're, you know, you're not going to be looking at the image going, Oh, that person was wearing the 2008, you know, vocal Gotamas and this jacket from this brand, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, really, really exciting with that new website. Cause it's just like, really makes the artwork buying experience efficient, uh, for, for the buyer, for the viewer and, you know, makes the process a lot easier on, on my end too. Great. Well, I will make sure to put all those links down below. Thank you again so much for being on the podcast. Uh, what a, what a great episode. Really appreciate it. Yeah, dude, I'm, 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 uh, I'm stoked. I really, really appreciate you having me on. Well, this podcast episode has been absolutely loaded with information for those of you guys out there, uh, whether you just want to take better landscape photos, there was plenty of information for you. And there was really a lot of information for those of you guys that do want to take action sports images. I think that there was not very many better people I could have talked to about some action sports photography. Noah's a great guy. As you can see, he takes great images. Of course, check out the links uh, in the podcast notes down below. You can check out his work, look at his print shop. You can see 
a lot of different stuff that he's doing that is just fantastic. Uh, great inspiration, great advice. Really hope this episode was helpful for you guys. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to every episode every week. Uh, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, I'm really passionate about bringing you guys this information clearly, concisely, and quickly. I don't want you guys to have to spend hours and hours digging through my content in order to find things that are useful. So hopefully this podcast episode was another one of those where you can just listen and get a ton of great information to help you improve your photography literally overnight. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you guys next week for the next episode. You guys have a great one. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.